Receive it for Pasha. Thank you, Pasha, for sharing your story. I want to let you guys know, alongside these Take Notice Ding Interest videos that we've been doing, we've had two events over these past two weekends that have had everything to do with this idea of taking notice to taking interest. Two weeks ago, we did a car show, and this last, yesterday actually, we did uh, the Four Peak Challenge, and those were amazing events because you guys took notice and took interest in the people around you. You invited people to these spaces, you showed up at these spaces, and so great job. Just want to give a round of applause for you guys, good job. Uh, But even more so than that, those two events couldn't have happened without the countless volunteers, you guys, that served during those events. So let's give a big round of applause for all of you that served at the Four Peak Challenge and the Car Classic Show. Thank you so much. If you don't know who I am, my name is Russell. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. It's so good to be with you guys in the room and those of you watching online as well. It's the holidays. Who's excited about the holidays? All right, so I want to kind of feel some out. Um, not if you like it over the other, but just more than. So who is a Thanksgiving more than a Christmas person? Okay, one proud member right here. Thank you, Dana. Couple in the back. Awesome. Now this is, I know this is what me. Who is more of a Christmas than a Thanksgiving person? Okay. I'm happy for you guys, but I want to let you know, you guys started Christmas way too early this year. It has felt like ever since November 1st, honestly, even like 8 p.m. on October 31st, you guys started Christmas. Like trees up, lights up, garlands up, Christmas music up. I love Christmas. Like I think Christmas should be done maybe after Thanksgiving, but you guys came hard at it right away. Um, I know you guys love it, and so that's good. My family loves Christmas too. I actually really enjoy that time uh, because I get to spend time with my family. Um, but what's really cool is for Thanksgiving this year, my in-laws are coming into town. And I know, I actually like my in-laws. That's possible. You can be there too someday with the grace of God in your life. But really excited for my in-laws to come into town. We love having them. Uh, my family gets to go to Italy and see our sister uh, for Christmas. And so I love spending the holidays with my family. But I got to be honest. The big reason why this holiday season is even more special is because the World Cup started today. Yeah. Anybody know about the World Cup? Like three of you? Awesome. Sounds good. Uh, If you don't know about the World Cup, you should really start to understand what it is because the World Cup is one of the most popular events in the world. Uh, It's a sporting event, soccer, but in Europe it's called football. Sorry to you Americans. Um, And it only happens every four years. It's a nationwide event. It's a worldwide event where individual nations and countries form the best team of 26 players they possibly can to face off against other teams across the world. And only 32 teams are allowed to enter into this tournament. They have to qualify. And what is really cool is the USA qualified this year for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar. Actually, I think this, the first game of Qatar versus Venezuela, Ecuador, just finished today. Um, tomorrow USA plays. And why that's a big deal is because four years ago, we did not make the World Cup as USA. We were not good enough. And that was devastating for us three soccer fans in the room. (laughs) But I have a specific memory of me and my family in 2014 when we watched the World Cup together. We were in Garnett, Kansas. If you don't know where that is, it's the Midwest, middle of nowhere, Kansas. You'll probably never be there again in your life. That's right. We were in a pizza hut of all places. Like who goes to Pizza Hut anymore? And we watched the World Cup. Oh, yes. And we watched the World Cup as a family. It was so much fun. I rem- that's why I fell in love with soccer. That's why I fell in love with the game. Uh, and so the World Cup has a, a cool tie to my family as well. We're going to all watch a couple of these games. So Brad, sorry when I don't show up to work over these next couple of weeks watching World Cup. But I'm talking a lot about family because that's what we're going to talk about today. You see, Jesus took notice and he took interest in the family. 
It's actually all throughout his ministry. And I wanna kind of share some of those ideas with you because oftentimes we miss that. We focus on other things that Jesus did, but it's really important to take notice and take interest in family. So I found four things in scripture that I kind of wanna share with you. Uh, The first is this, that Jesus used family language. In his words, in his conversations, and just the way he carried himself, he talked about family a lot. Think about the very first encounter he had with God where when he was baptized and raised out of the water, a voice from heaven, God's voice spoke out loud and said, this is my dearly loved son who I find great joy in, who I'm well pleased in. I just wanna say something really quick. If, if you're a dad in the room, whether you're an older dad, or whether you're a younger dad, and your relationship with your kids isn't the way that you would hope it would be right now, then maybe you need to speak these words over your kids. These words are a powerful way to connect to your kid on an emotional and a relational and even a spiritual level. It makes them know they have a father who's proud of them and loves them unconditionally. When my dad has spoken these things over me, I feel so close and so connected with my dad. And that's one of the main reasons that Jesus felt so close and connected with God. It actually kickstarted Jesus's whole ministry. I also wanna say this, if you're a son or a daughter in the room, whether you're an older son or daughter or you're a younger son or daughter, and you have not heard these words from your dad, I'm sorry. That's gotta hurt. But I want you to know that the same heavenly father that spoke those words over Jesus is the same heavenly father that wants to speak those words to you right now. He says, you are my dearly loved son. He says, you are my dearly loved daughter. I find great joy in you. You see, it was from that point on where Jesus heard the words from the father that in those moments that he talked to God, he addressed God as father. Whether that was trying to teach his disciples how to pray to their father in heaven, letting people know that the father has all their needs, spending time away from the crowds and going onto mountainsides and early mornings or, or dark nights to spend time in prayer with the father. And even being on the cross, hanging there for us and saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus was always using family language by the way he talked about relationships that he had with God, his heavenly father. Here's a second one that I found, uh, Jesus healed family. There's a couple of different accounts. Jesus healed a Gentile woman's daughter who was possessed by a demon in Matthew 15. In Luke 4, Jesus healed the sick mother-in-law of Simon Peter, who was one of Jesus's own disciples. Jesus healed a local synagogue leader's daughter who was dying in Mark 5. And in Luke 7, Jesus healed and raised the son of a widow back to life. Nobody else can do that. But in John 11, Jesus had probably one of his most famous and meaningful family healings that he ever had. There was a brother of these two sisters, Mary and Martha. His name is Lazarus. And he died but Jesus raised him back to life. And not only did Jesus just heal this brother for these two sisters, but Jesus was actually healing a friend, somebody he really loved from death. If you read throughout all of John, you'll find out that Lazarus was one of the only individuals mentioned and identified as Jesus's friend in all of John. As friend, only the person mentioned as that was Lazarus. You see in verse 11, of John, in verse three of John 11, Mary and Martha sent a message to Jesus saying, Jesus, your dear friend is sick. He needs your help. And in verse five, it says that Jesus loved Martha. He loved Mary and he loved Lazarus. So in this moment, you're seeing that Jesus, although he wasn't a blood relative, had this close connection with this family. He was a friend of the family, but because of his friendship with them, he was almost adopted into their family and thought of as a family member of their own. 
Jesus intentionally healed members of families during his life here on earth. Here's the third one. Jesus spent time with family. Now, when we think of family and spending time with family, we probably think of our brothers, our sisters, our parents, grandparents, but Jesus kind of flipped the script on that. And three separate gospel accounts, there's the same story, Matthew 12, Mark 4, and Luke 8. And Jesus is actually describing his true family. Here's kind of what the setting looks like. Uh, Jesus is in this house and he's talking to a large crowd, actually probably a small crowd because it probably wasn't a big house. And the religious leaders here, he's there. And so they come and they want to start getting on Jesus because they're jealous of Jesus and who he is. And so they say to Jesus, I don't think you have the power you think you do. And they spread rumors to others that Jesus actually has this power because of Satan, because of the devil. That the only way he's performing miracles and healings and there's all these crazy things is because he is under the influence and power of the devil. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Jesus, I'd be like, dude, you guys are so dumb. Like just a couple of days ago, a couple of weeks ago, I was in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights with him. And I, I beat that dude. In fact, he was trying to tell me to rule over you guys. He was telling me that I could have all the fame, the world, the possessions. He was telling me that I could, I could do whatever I want here on earth if I just bowed down to him. But guess what? He didn't have any power over me. He does not have power in me. I don't take power from him. In fact, I just quoted off a couple of my different favorite Bible verses from scripture and he ran out of the room peeing his pants. It was pretty crazy. But Jesus is not like that. He's way more holier than me. And uh, so he responded in a way that helped these religious leaders rethink their question and have a better understanding of who Jesus was. And so Jesus' mother and brother hear that he's in this house and they wanna meet him like any mom and brothers want to do when they hear that their other brother is in town. Um, And we would have thought that Jesus would have totally welcomed them in. Yeah, come on in, Mary, come on in, brothers. But he does something really interesting. As the crowd tells Jesus that your mother and your brothers want to meet you and want to talk to you, he says, and looks around at the crowd, who are my brothers and sisters? Everyone is my brother and my mother. In fact, all those who love God and who follow God are my brother, sister, and mother. You see, Jesus is saying anyone can obey God and become part of the family. That even though he does care for his mom and he does care for his brothers, everyone who loves him is his family. And the fourth thing I found is that Jesus cared for family. We saw that in the different ways that he healed members of families individually but he also showed value and he took notice and interest in kids. Now in that time of culture, it was not that common to give value to kids until they became of age. And Jesus would say things like, let the children come to me. Don't stop them for the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. He'd even say anyone who welcomes a little child like this on my behalf is welcoming me. He valued the children. But one of the most subtle and powerful ways that I found was an act of care for this family was something that he did for his mother, Mary. And you're not gonna find this unless you're specifically reading John because it's only in the gospel book of John. It's John 19. And Jesus is on the cross. He's about to die for our sins. And he does this thing and he notices while everybody else is out in the crowd watching him, blaspheming him, judging him, not caring about what's happening. He looks over to the side and he sees his mother and he sees John, one of his disciples there. And he takes this posture, this conversation with them and he looks at his mother and he says, mother, this is your son. And he looks at John, motioning to John. And then he says, John, this is your mother. 
And in this moment, it's a powerful act of caring for his mom because Joseph isn't on the scene. Joseph is Jesus's father. And it can be assumed that he passed away by now. And normally in this time, when the father passes away, the son takes up the mantle of the leader of the household, the leader of the family and takes care of the mother. But instead of Jesus assigning this new task as he's dying on the cross to his brothers who are not on the scene, he looks over and he gives the care of his mom to John, somebody that he dearly loves and somebody that is with him all the way to the cross. He cares for family. You see, I hope you understand that Jesus was building the kingdom of God into a family while he was here on earth. Everything that he did on this earth was to defeat the power and the schemes of Satan and to establish the kingdom of God here and now. He did this through making the kingdom of God a place where family could be a part of it. Whether you step into life with Christ for the first time, if you say that God is your Lord and your savior and your king, if you welcome the Holy Spirit into your life, when we say yes to this, we are joining the family of Jesus. We actually get to enter into the kingdom of God because it's a family. And if you don't believe me, then hear what the apostle Paul has to say as he writes to these different churches across Europe. To the church of Rome, he says this. So you have not yet received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. And to the church of Galatia, he says this, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female. For you are all one in Christ. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You're his heirs and God's promised Abraham belongs to you. And finally, to the church of Ephesus, he says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do. And it gave him great pleasure. If you're like me, when you read these passages of scripture, you just can't help but say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you so much, Jesus, that in advance you planned for me to be adopted into your family. Thank you so much, Jesus, because Jesus, I am a sinner. Jesus, I'm broken. Jesus, I am not perfect. I, I am a sinner. Let me, let me tell you how. I'm so selfish, guys. This is a, a moment that happened this past week. Many of you are gonna relate. My wife and I worked on the same day. My wife was gonna get home from work at 7 p.m., whereas I was gonna get home at like 5.30 p.m. And she says, honey, I've had a long day. I'm really tired. I'm not feeling that good. When you get home, will you please clean the bathroom? Some of you guys know where this is going already. I said, of course, I would love to clean the bathroom. I love you. I care about you. I'll gladly do that. So I get home, 5.30, and she's not home yet. And I remembered, oh, the Phoenix Suns game is on tonight. Oh, I'm kind of hungry. So 5.30, turn on the Phoenix Suns game, and I start making myself dinner. By the time my wife gets home at 7.00, I'm still sitting on the couch. I'm still watching the Suns game and I'm still eating my dinner. She doesn't have dinner. The bathroom is still not cleaned and I'm doing something that's not with her. So this is all a recipe for disaster as you can see. And what happened at the end of the night is the bathroom still wasn't cleaned. I tried to act like I didn't notice it. I tried to act like nothing was really a problem. And as we went to bed, 
my wife was frustrated with me. She was upset. And that was a result of what I did. And the reality is I went to bed frustrated and upset that the sons lost the basketball game, which is not my response. That's not what I should have done. Because you see what happened is my selfishness led to disunity in my marriage. And my wife actually became frustrated with me. I had to be a really good husband to her the next weekend to make sure that everything was okay, which was this past weekend. You see, I'm not perfect. I have moments where I fall into sin. I have moments where I'm judgmental, where I lie, where I cover up, where I gossip. But the reality is you're not perfect either. The reality is you sin as well. We all come from families and oftentimes our families are broken, whether it's just a broken, messy family or whether we're an individual in a family and we're just broken and messy ourselves. We're in need of a family and of a father that brings wholeness to our lives. So what I wanna do is I wanna read off a passage from somewhere towards the back of your Bibles, 1 John chapter three. This is one of John, this is the same John that was one of Jesus' disciples. And during his time of writing these letters, it's presumed that he's actually probably one of the last 12 disciples or apostles left alive. And I'm gonna be honest with you. John does not take it easy on these Gentile Christians that he's trying to write to. And so we are actually kind of like Gentile Christians. And so he's writing something that's pretty hard for us to hear. And so as I read this off, and you can follow along with me on the screens, you might not like what it has to say. You see, he wanted to give this new generation of believers the opportunity to hear the truth and to know the truth of living as children of God. So if you're wanting to enter the kingdom, if you're wanting to be a child of God, if you're wanting to say yes to the kingdom of God and the family that it is, listen to what this has to say, even though it might be hard. Here's what it says in 1 John 3. See what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him, Jesus, as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Verse four, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness but you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins and in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. That might be hard to hear. You might think you don't agree with that. Hang on. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Verse seven, dear children, do not let anyone lead you astray. The one who does what is right is righteous just as he is righteous. Hold on to this. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil because the devil has been sinning from the very beginning. The reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work, just like we mentioned earlier. And in verse nine, no one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in them. They cannot go on sinning because they have been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. All right, breathe in with me and breathe out. That's, that's heavy. That's hard to read. There's words in there that you're like, hang on, that, I'm not, no, I, I can't be, just let's unpack that a little bit. There's two things that I wanna bring out in that. The first is that children of God are to be obedient and righteous. 
You see, as believers, we find our self-worth based on the fact that God loves us and that he calls us his children. And that was all throughout 1 John 3. We are members of God's family now, not just sometime in the future, not just when our time here on earth ends, but right now we can live in the kingdom of God and we are a part of his family. Knowing this should actually encourage us to live the same way that Jesus did so that we actually get to become reflections of God, of Jesus and of the spirit to this world. Because that's what the Christian life is about, becoming more and more like Jesus, even though until we meet Jesus face to face, we're never gonna experience being just like him. But as we await that day, we should pursue righteousness and we should fight against sin in our life. Which brings me to the second point. There is a difference in committing a sin and continuing to sin. You see, in committing a sin, even the most faithful believers fall into sin because faithful believers aren't perfect. If you wanna call yourself a faithful believer in here, that's awesome, you're not perfect. As you heard from me earlier, I'm not perfect. We fall into sin. We have areas of our lives where temptation is strong, where habits are hard to conquer. And the reality is the devil is trying to gain a foothold in our life. So naturally as believers, we all sin because we are not perfect, but we should work to gain victory over our sin. You see, this ends up showing, that this ends up showing our commitment of not holding on to sin and not letting it have a foothold in our life, but rather repenting of it confessing it to God and asking him for his forgiveness in our sin. You see, true true children of God don't make it a practice of sinning because God's new life has been born into them. Whereas continuing to sin, those who continue to sin are walking with, are not walking with God and are trying to find ways to justify every aspect of sin in their life. They aren't really sorry for what they're going through. They don't recognize that this sin may be hurting themselves or other people. They never repent, confess, or ask forgiveness for. They won't let others know in their community what's going on. You see, these people end up just living the way that they want, which, here's what's hard to hear, is actually the way that Satan wants you to live. Because when you're doing that, you are not living the way that God has designed and wants for his children to live. So here's what I want you to hear. Remember this today. Being a part of God's family means having a responsibility to take notice and interest in people who are both in God's family now and those who have not yet joined God's family. That's our big takeaway for today. And I wanna help you get an idea of how to come uh, and do this, how to bring this to fruition. There's two ways. The first is simply to take notice and take interest in your family units in your specific immediate family members. If you're a brother or sister, go talk to your sibling and see where you can actually be a better brother or sister to them. We all know our siblings get annoying, but we can be better for them. If you're a parent in the room and you have kids that have these hobbies that you don't understand why they like doing these things, you should take some time to get to know their hobby. See why they like that, what brings them joy in it, and if maybe you could understand what their hobby is. If you're a grandparent, show up to your kids' activities. Show up to your grandkids' activities. Be present and let them know that you are here for them. If you're a son and a daughter, man, listen to your grandparents. Listen to your parents. They have wisdom beyond your years and believe it or not, they actually know what you are talking about. Families pray for each other. When you get up, when you go to bed, before you send kids off to school, before you go to work, when you're eating meals, You see, our families are precious gifts from God 
And it is so important to stay connected with each other in a way where you feel loved by another member of your own family. And here's the second way to do so. Once you can get that right and do that well as a family unit, then take your family unit and go take notice and interest in others. Actually take your family, your kids, your grandparents, your spouse to love on other family units, to love on other people. You see, if you want people to see that you belong to the family of God, if you want people to see that there is hope beyond our present world, and if you want people to feel the joy of being taken care of, then go take notice and take interest in other people with your family. The really cool thing is that's gonna show your immediate family how much they are really a part of the kingdom of God and what it looks like to be the kingdom of God in their everyday life. And here's how I wanna help you with this. If you look on the back flap of the chair in front of you, there's these white cards that say, take notice and take interest. You don't all have to grab one individually because these are meant for you to do as a family unit. These are three, fourth with a Christmas bonus, simple ways to get involved and to be active in taking notice and taking interest in people's lives. If you're online and you'd like one of these, I'd love for you to email me at russell at copperhills.org and I would love to give you one of these cards. But all this is are applicable, easy ways for you to take notice and take interest as a family unit. And if you're here and you don't have a family unit you're a part of, I wanna encourage you, find somebody to go be a part of a family for a day for a week and do these things with. If you're a family unit and you know there's individuals that don't have a family unit, invite them into yours and go take notice and take interest in others. Watch what it's going to do for your family and for the idea of living into the kingdom of God now. Because when you do this, you're actually being agents of hope in a dark world. You're being a light to the world where they need the light to shine through in the darkness. We as Christians need to step up in this. So let's be a people who want to show others what it's like to live in the kingdom and the family of God. Let's take notice and let's interest. Let's be the family of God. We pray. God, you've been with us this whole day and we're thankful for the opportunity that we have today to come before you, to sing songs of praise and glory, to hear your word and to read your word. God, this morning, would you move in our hearts and help us to understand the reality of living into your kingdom is really living into a family with you. You set up this idea that through Jesus, we get to be adopted into your family and we get to have sonship and daughtership with you. And it's a beautiful thing to be called the children of God. God, I ask that for those of us that don't yet feel that, that have a hard time realizing we are part of your family or even those of us that don't feel like we have family here on earth or come from broken and hurtful, harmful families, would you reach out? God, would those people know that you are saying to them in this moment, you are my dearly loved son. You are my dearly loved daughter who I'm well pleased in and I find great joy in. Jesus, make yourself known to us. Thank you for inviting us and bringing us into our, your family by what you did on the cross. Would we take notice and take interest in others around us and be united in the family of God?